Welcome to the Impunity Observer live stream. Fergus Hodgson, publisher here. Thanks for tuning in. If you have not already, go to impunityobserver.com and get on our monthly e-newsletter list. We give you geopolitical intelligence, connecting the Americas. It's my honor to do uh, this publication. I'm, I'm very proud of it. Today, we're going to be speaking with Mario Duarte. This is a real privilege for us. This man has incredible pedigree, and I just learned that he we also both have an MBA from Rice Business School. Mario, welcome to the show. Are you in Washington, D.C. right now? Back on, back on. No, I'm in Guatemala right now. No, I go back and forth mainly between uh, Texas and, um, and Guatemala and D.C. every now and then, but mostly Texas. Good, good, mate. Now, I, I've been looking forward to getting you on because I feel like you're one person who has just been intimately following the developments of geopolitics in Central America for many years. Not only that, but you have been willing to speak forthrightly and independently. You're not just another, you're not just a sheep. You're an independent thinker. Now, and yes, my colleague Steve Hecht shared your article with me, this one about basically turmoil ahead in 2024. And it has a question mark, but really there's no question mark here. You're just saying it's going to happen. That's the case that we're looking, we're, we're facing a very uh, un unstable 2024. Am I putting words into your mouth? Not at all. I mean, 2024, and it's not only for the Western Hemisphere, but for the entire world, it's going to be a very hectic uh, year. Uh, a lot of uh, chaos around. You already can see it. What's going on on uh, multiple fronts of war in uh, Europe, Eastern Europe, in the Middle East. Now, Asia appears to be, you know, about to blow up as well. You know, in, in, uh, in the coasts of Africa, you already have two at direct attacks on, uh, on American interests. And down here, we are seeing how would I say, weaponized invasion of migrants towards the United States and uh, specifically during an, during an electoral year, right? Uh, we're looking, uh, we're talking about the November election in the United States and seems yeah. like someone believes that chaos needs to reign around the world so that a specific candidate gets reelected. I'm specifically talking about the Democrats. Is that really a, a successful strategy to promote chaos and when people are afraid, they want the status quo. They want what they already know. Well, do you remember that old adage, you know, when people are scared, they will turn, they'll, they'll give away their liberty in exchange for security, right? Yes. And kind of like yeah. what happened with the, with the pandemic. It's exactly the same situation. If we are at, at, you know, under the threat of war or attacks in the United States, Everyone stay home. What comes after everyone stay home? Uh, you know, uh, mailing ballots. Mailing ballots, we already know, where have been, you know, an issue in several states that, you know, now we can say it, uh, where electoral fraud was committed in the United States. Sure. When you say weaponized, and because to me, there are so many, let's say, unsavory elements to the way the border process has been handled, right? Uh, because mm -hmm. in, in, in your article, you mentioned narco-trafficking, human trafficking, funding of corruption. And I'm not sure whether it was in here too, but you can also think of hostile foreign agents entering the country and just making homes in the United States going largely undetected. Well, I don't, first off, I don't want to criminalize the, the migrants, right? I mean, there is a lot of people that are really looking for a better opportunity, uh, especially when their countries have fallen under, uh, under, this, under socialist 
regimens that have destroyed those economies. And uh, unfortunately, yes. the United States and other countries or developed countries have had a lot to do with those countries collapsing because they kind of puppeteer these socialists and they end up destroying their own countries. Sort of, uh, I would we call I call them, uh, you know, the failed uh, policies of misery that uh, they have pushed down the throats of all these countries. And obviously, when you don't, you cannot sustain your own people, you become as a country vulnerable to a lot of um, of, of control from all these entities that can either loan you money or send you money or all these programs that somehow will alleviate the crisis while you are just a puppet of, of, of a bigger power, right? Not even a sovereign president of a sovereign nation. Well, when I say weaponized, what it means is that the, the caravans or the migrant groups are not necessarily, first off, uh, I would say 95% of them, when they when we're talking about big groups merging together, they are not, uh, how do you say it? They are put together by, by NGOs. So they are coordinated efforts. And what they are supposed to do is travel in mass because it's it's a bigger um, a bigger mediatic impact. And then when they come to the to the border, it's obviously bigger force, easier to to push, you know, through the border, just simply by sheer numbers of people, right? And uh, obviously, when people come in, there are different entities coming in into the United States, real migrants that really just want a better opportunity uh, and, and, and money for their families and a better life. But then you also have, you know, actors of, of, of you know, of countries that do do business with, with uh, terrorist organizations or they fund terrorist organizations and also uh, adversaries of the United States. We know for a fact that Venezuela released a lot of um, criminals from their, from their uh, prison system with the condition that they have to go to the United States. And in the United States, we already we, we have already seen a lot of these Venezuelans and Colombians that have been participating in, in several of the of the marches, disruptive marches, especially that happened in Florida, some in Texas as well. Yeah, gosh. Okay. Do you want to talk about you mentioned that well, so first let's say in a, in a, let's say in a broader sense, people who want to expand the power of the state and make a more totalitarian or more authoritarian government. They like chaos, that's true. But let's be a little bit more specific than that. Mm -hmm. You mentioned here, the biggest financier of political corruption in Latin America is drug trafficking. Do we have yeah. any numbers on that? I mean, what would, what, what would come in second place? And I, I said before you got on that, it does appear that there's, let's say, more of a history of Marxists working with uh, the drug cartels than with the right. But maybe I'm wrong about that. Mm -hmm. Is it clear that there is an ideological tilt towards the drug drug traffickers? Not necessarily. See, cartels are pretty much, they don't have an ideology, right? They are all there, all they're in there for the money and the power. However, sure. it's easier for Marxist, socialist, totalitarian governments to work with them than with, uh, with uh, let's say, more conservative governments. Why? Because socialist regimes have uh, somehow the cover of the international press. Everything they do, even when illegal, is somehow whitewashed and turned into something good. 
I'll give you a specific, a specific example. Uh, when Petro came into power in Colombia, he dismantled, well, his, his Minister of Defense, uh, Ivan Velasquez, dismantled most of the counter-narcotics programs from the Ministry of Defense, including the eradication programs of coca plants. And, uh, and then they also got the United States to unilaterally also uh, dismantle the, the counter-narcotics intelligence programs they had in country. That means that the United States also is somehow aiding and abetting the increase of cocaine production in Colombia. So Petro, we know for a fact because his son said it publicly and now he's about to be, uh, he's in, tri you know, in trial right now, that his father received money from the cartels, millions of dollars from the cartels to pay for his political campaign and pay for votes. But you don't see the United States reacting to that, right? They are keeping it hush-cush. They are trying to ignore it. You don't see that all over media outlets, like we have seen the case of Guatemala, right? The threats, you know, threat against democracy. How about the democracy in Colombia where the cartels paid for the president to, to take office? Now you see all these issues there in Colombia. Uh, according to UN numbers, I'm not talking, and uh, this is not just any organization, I'm talking about the UNODC, the UN Office Against uh, uh, Drugs and, and, and to Control Narcotics, right? Since Petro came into office and the Biden administration came into office, cocaine production and the, and the trade of cocaine around the world has increased an unprecedented 30%. That means there is 30% more cocaine running around the world, 30% more uh, more uh, consumption around the around the world, and obviously there is more money for the cartels, and they are making more money, which makes them more powerful and more able to corrupt small, weak countries. Did you say it was from when Petro or Biden came into office? Both, both. They came into office almost at the same time, or just with a, right. a year of difference, something like that. Yeah, that was. I was curious to how you got that. And then you mentioned here redesigning the region. I'm quoting you here. Those who are provoking the social unrest are redesigning the region to provoke more illegal mass migration and of future potential voters to the United States. Do you believe that is the case, that these voters will become loyal Democrat or leftist voters? I mean, is that too much, too great of an assumption about migrants from Central America? You know, it's... First of all, migrants are from all over the world, right? right. I mean, sure. they, we we yeah. see through Guatemala, we see people from not only all of Latin America, people from Asia. We see people from from Eastern Europe, from the Middle East, from everywhere. They come through here. They they make South America, uh, you know, come up the Darien through Central America, through Guatemala, then to Mexico, and then all the way to the southern border. Now, will they become, uh, uh, you know, loyal Democrat voters? There is always a possibility of that because right now you see all these Democrat policies that when they come in, they get, uh, even in California, they are giving them uh, uh, health Free benefits, care. right? Yeah. Free medical care. You see them, you know, allowing kids to go to school. They get a, they get a self a, a free cell phone. So it's like treating them better than most of the citizens. And at this point, you know, it it really um, make it really makes me really mad. It makes me really mad that I have a couple of friends from the from the from the U.S. Army that served with me, and two of them are, yes. are right now living in the out in the streets. Obviously, they have some psychological issues, and amongst our our group, we try to help them, but. 
how is it possible that soldiers that wrote a check you know with their life ready to give it to the united states are being mistreated or ignored by these by this uh, administration right now and they are giving benefits to others that really don't deserve them because they are not citizens of the united states and it sounds harsh and again I, i'm not trying to criminalize migrants but the first uh, the first obligation of the united states or any country for that matter is to help and serve their citizens not citizens of other countries and i want to give people a little bit of an update on honduras and i want to write more about honduras because there is going to there are going to be more people coming from honduras there are a few canaries in the coal mine in honduras right mm -hmm. now of course you've seen violence in the congress but in terms of policies we're seeing the initiation of a, of a price control mechanism so price controls are coming in to honduras further there are capital controls there's a more of a fixed exchange rate not 100 fixed but there are limits on how much money you can exchange freely and these to me are just the start of more to come they suggest yes an interventionist or top-down regime that is unwilling to accept the let's say the natural flow of economic activity and of course that will stifle private sector development and cause more people to leave now in your article you use the to term toy mm -hmm. interventionistas what is this and uh, yeah please explain this term because i suspect most americans who read this and i should tell people are we going to post a link to this in the show notes is a convulsive 2024 for latin america and us ahead this is the article by mario in newsmax so please explain this term that americans will not be familiar with the latinistas that's i don't know if you remember the, the there was a term coined about uh the americans or you know mainly bureaucrats in the in the diplomatic service that that created you know a mess in the middle east in the 80s and they they started calling them interventionistas interventionistas right so mm -hmm. this new term that uh, you know it, came up with it in talking to different people. It's called the Latinistas. And it's, again, all these unelected bureaucrats inside the, the, the U.S. government that think that Latin America is a, it's an ant farm. And they are, you know, playing with this, all these small countries thinking that they can do better, uh, uh, better designs and better strategies than people that actually live here. They are so arrogant. Most people of the, I mean, most of these people come from academia and mediocre people at best that really think that what they claim they know is more than the real knowledge in these countries. And they think that their idiotic ideas of, of, of policies of misery are going to do better for us than really what we need. These countries actually need investment, real investment, not investment through USAID. We don't need aid. We need trade. We need capabilities you know, here. And also, if they are, if they are going to help really with the famous uh, fight against corruption, they really need to tackle what corrupts most of Latin America, and that's drug trafficking. And drug trafficking only stops when there is no demand. And the United States today is snorting about 50% of the cocaine production in the entire world. That means the United States alone is to blame for at least 50% of the corruption that comes from the cartels in Latin America and the rest of the world as well. 
Mm. So those are now, the Latinistas, the ones that you know are playing footsie with with the cartels and the leftist regimes, and thinking that by by you know threatening uh, sovereign nations and, and and good business, they're going to somehow control their little ant farm in the south. Their intervention has reached fever pitch in Guatemala of late, and I assume you followed this closely. I want you to get though to yes. your your final point that you say. You really want esteemed members of Congress, and again, I'm quoting you here, esteemed members of Congress demand from bureaucrats supposedly in charge of dealing with the Western Hemisphere, uh, you want, you demand an, uh, an investigation, basically. What does it say here? Uh, you want more oversight. Congressional, that congressional demand must occur now. So do you want to clarify what you're getting at here and what you want investigated or what demand you want from Congress? Well, Con United States Congress should actually start asking questions to all these unelected uh, bureaucrats inside the State Department and, and, the, and the White House. Why is it that there is more, since Biden came into office, why is there more uh, migrant caravans coming in? Why yeah. is there more cocaine coming through the southern border as well? Why is there more corruption around the, around the Western Hemisphere? I mean, everything that they have supposedly been pushing to fight against, it ha has increased. So the, who is not doing their job? Why are not they doing their job? That's that's it. Mm. I mean, whoever is in charge of, of the war against drugs in the region, why is why has it increased? Why, why is more fentanyl deaths now in the United States than before? I mean, you can see it that it's just, like I said, mediocre at best people that are right now supposedly serving the, the people of the United States in this jobs and really are not doing anything good for our country if anything they're putting it more at risk so the united states congress now, and senate should start asking questions and really hard questions yeah murray you don't have to co comment on this it's a it's a very sensitive issue but how much of an impact mm -hmm. do you think these foreign inter interventionistas or latinistas had over the recent electoral process with their, I mean, on mass visa revocations or sanctions and threats of more. A lot. Did it actually? That's exactly mm, it. Go that's, ahead. that's what they do. That's the best example of these Latinistas. Every single individual that that either tweeted or posted or wrote something uh, regarding Guatemala and threats against against uh, the sovereignty of this country are these specific interventionistas, Latinistas that I am referring to. And those are the ones that should be investigating. Investigated. How is it possible? How is it possible that a group of American bureaucrats were seated in a press conference in Guatemala, in the National Palace of Guatemala, simply to openly threaten the entire country if they dared speak against the new the, the their 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 the president that they pretty much appointed? It's, it's, it's equivalent of having a bunch of, of, uh, of let's put it like this, even though it's a, it's a sensitive issue, let's say a, a bunch of Chinese bureaucrats sitting in front of the, of the Rose Garden giving a, giving a speech to the Americans saying, you don't talk about our, our new president because we're coming after you. That's exactly what happened. Instead of Chinese, it was Americans here in Guatemala. Yeah, it's very insulting, to be frank. It's, it, there's a great deal of condescension that was shown during this process. Mm -hmm. And that's why, uh, as I was explaining before you got on, there was a, it's just been a very strange or uncertain process because 
the legal investigations were not, not able to, to fought, go through. You had a bunch of people from the electoral tribunal as fugitives. It was really messy. And it just seemed like the U.S. foreign policy officials, they were not even hiding the fact that they'd taken one side. They were so open about it. And as you exactly. said, it, it suggests that no one is really is paying attention. We've, we've, we've rushed Here. through the half hour now. Go ahead. So here's here's one final thought about this. For years, all these American bureaucrats were the ones pushing and and you know and 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 waving the flag of the fight against corruption. If you did nothing wrong, you should not fear uh, an investigation. Now they are the ones actually that were threatening our our attorney general's office with you know pretty much interfering in our in our justice process. So we've been speaking with Mario Duarte. And you can follow him on Twitter, Mario Duarte, G-A-R, Mario Duarte Gar. And the same on Instagram. His firm is DH Global Strategy. We will have links to this article and I hope more content from him. I respect his honesty or forthrightness. And I want to say thank you, Mario, for giving us your time. And I look forward to being in touch. We're going to end it there. Please go to impunityobserver.com for all our channels. And uh, I look forward to next month. Cheers.